0: Hi, my name is Dee, and you are listening to my podcast, Let Me Clear My Throat. Before we get into today's topic, though, I would like to invite you to join me in my other podcast as well, One Nation Under God, The Elderly and Disabled in a Monopoly World, So I'm Mental, What's Your Superpower? Riddle Diddle Dee, I See Something You Can't See, Prisoner Past the Sentencing, Let's Not Talk About COVID, Shall We? And I promise you, I'm honestly not talking about COVID in there. Men being raped as a father. Sticks and stones may break my bones. But that doesn't mean you have to use them on me. And parental alienation syndrome. (laughs) Also, I would like to go over what I call my disclaimer. I try to ensure that all my I's are dotted, my T's are crossed, uh, if you will. I know there's a lot of negative people in the world that like to make mountains out of molehills, basically, and make issues out of things that just really aren't necessary. Uh, My topic today... My topic today is called fentanyl. When the next breath is worth more than a speck of sand. And honestly, I don't even... I don't even know where really even to start with this, Um, as this topic is um, understandably beyond an emotional and deep subject for so many people. Um, I'm hoping that I will be able to communicate myself, uh, though in a manner that comes across uh, more educational, um, sympathetic, and in an understanding form for you. And uh, once again, I'd like to apologize for my speech. I had surgery done in my mouth about a month ago and I'm still learning how to talk. Um, So I do apologize. Um, So if I sound a little funny, it's because I am funny. No, just kidding. I mean, I am funny looking maybe, but anyway, um, it's because of my mouth. That's my story anyway. (laughs) Anyway, um, back to the subject. I am by no means am I trying to downplay um, with any of the trauma or devastation or any last um, everlasting effects of loss or heartache or anything else for that matter indescribable, indescribable, excuse me, emotions and feelings um, that you may be struggling with to even process right now. Um, I will not try to even pretend that I know what you're going through and your pain directly. Uh, I will continue to do what I can on my end, though, uh, in hopes to educate people as much as I can. Um, and for those that might not even realize that, um, that need to hear this, actually, they don't even realize that they do, and hopes that if anything, um, we can save some lives. Um, my heart goes out openly to everyone that suffers any type of personal effect due to this. Um, relating to this, it's a very heartbreaking experience and subject and topic and trigger point, excuse me, for many people. Um, I hope that you don't take what I'm going to say as any type of purpose or attack on your grief or pain. I'm not trying to trigger anything for you or amplify what you're already going through any more than what it is. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do anything negative except get the word out and talk about it. And I know a lot of people are still trying to cope with this uh, particular area in their life. And I pray that uh, whatever I'm going to say will come over as sensitive as possible um, to everybody that is mourning a loss or going through this struggle. Um, Yet I hope that it's strong enough to make an impact, uh, an importance and the level of the magnitude of this, uh, particular area and get as much information out there as possible. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I know that everybody has different levels and different views and different ways of coping. And I will, I am not trying to belittle your feelings or anything at all that you're going through. And my reasons for even creating this site in the first place, actually, is to try to make a difference in the world and do what I can, where I can, for whoever I can. Um, even if the subject directly isn't about me or I can even relate to it personally, um, I want to make sure that I touch base on things as much as possible that maybe others may feel or going through, maybe they want to say it more often but don't really know how. Um, or maybe wish others would talk about as well also with them, you know, or, or, or like they are trying to do. <clears throat> I'm not trying to really to, <clears throat> I'm only trying to relay information, educate as much as possible and provide resources as much as possible and hopefully make a strong enough impact in someone's life that will allow them to find their own self worth and inner being. And hopefully helping them to find the strength to take a breath, um, their own breath, without suffocating themselves. Um, Because sometimes it could be very overwhelming and strong. And um, it can kill you. I mean, it really can. Uh, Literally and um, in every other sense but that. Some people may feel like they're um, already dead but yet um, still... Breathing above ground, if you will. Um, I used to when my grandson passed away. I used to say I felt like I was dead, but I wasn't buried. Um, so it's it's um, it's a lot of a lot of emotions in a lot of ways. Um, and I understand my thoughts and my words and my opinions and even my even my research ethics um, can be taken in many ways, and that may not really meet everybody's approval or understanding. And, um, sometimes, unfortunately, uh, information is not as accurate, um, of a source, um, as one hopes. Um, so obviously, if I am unintentionally, uh, mistaken on in, any information, please feel free to let me know. Um, and I will be happy to correct myself. <clears throat> I'm not trying to make anybody mad or upset or step on anybody's, uh, feelings, uh, intentionally, and hurt anybody. That's not my intentions at all. Um, And I would like to express my deepest respect uh, for you and what you're going through in your life. Uh, I'm not trying to offend or compromise anybody, nor am I not willing to correct myself. Um, And like I said, if any time, you know, my information is not accurate. Um, and I need to further research it and, um, understand it, I'm more than happy to do so. Please let me know. I have no problem taking respectful criticism. I will be more than happy to listen to you correct myself when necessary and do my best to relay that information, um, to where it needs to go and fix what needs to be fixed if I can. And hopefully together we can make an impact a bigger impact in this devastating fight. Um, I'm not trying to amplify, amplify your devastations or pain. Instead I'm trying to bring attention to the realization of it to help you and others as much as possible to understand that your feelings, your emotions, they're justified and they deserve to be acknowledged and hopefully in some way make you not feel so alone. <coughs> Um, maybe with some luck, maybe even make a difference and save a life, um, if even just your own or, or mine. (laughs) Um, I do empathize with others, uh, very much and understand that there are always multiple sides to every story and multiple scenarios, um, and maybe, like I said, they're not something that I firsthandly encountered in my life, um, or even in your scenario of whatever you're going through. <clears throat> um, but I try to look at all sides the best that I can, and hope to learn as much as I can um, in these areas that I that I believe are needed the most. And unfortunately, you can't really set an order um, on what to talk about first and what's more important, because honestly, if you're directly going through it or if it's a big scenario, um, it's really hard to, to number the, the importance and magnitude of, of a subject, because what is important to one person may not be as important to another. However, everything that we are going through in life, um, has an importance, And if you have any ideas or suggestions, um, on anything that you would like for me to research and talk about or get out there, um, again, please let me know. Um, I, I know that it's important to have facts and, um, sometimes reality checks, if you will, and stay ahead of the race as much as possible. And unfortunately, I have so much um, going through my mind right now that I'm trying to make sure that I stay focused on my notes um, because there's a lot of information, a lot of facts in here. And I will tell you ahead of time, <clears throat> even my own words that I've worded in here, I am hoping that I don't, um, I don't break down and cry <laughs> um, because some things are just that that emotionally and that sad that heartbreaking and um i just hope that um i do enough justice where it needs to go um especially relating to this subject um eventually in my journey of podcasting um i hope to learn exactly how to do live stream or, um, something of that nature. I'm, I'm not, I used to be kind of computer savvy, but I haven't been in the computer life, uh, for a long time. Uh, so I'm actually just learned how to do podcasting. <laughs> I don't even know how to do TikTok. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I know. Everybody's probably like, what? <laughs> um, but I, honestly, I don't. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, my ultimate goal, though, eventually, um, in this journey is to hopefully have my own talk show and have guest speakers as well. And that maybe makes, uh, might take more, you know, resources and stuff and and more money, obviously, than what I have right now to ever make that happen. But it is uh, one of my goals. So, anyway. um, So... Like I said, I don't really know where to go, how to even start this. So I'm just going to read my notes and um, try to stay on track as much as possible. Um, So today's topic, again, is called Fentanyl. When the next breath is worth more than a speck of sand. And we could talk about the subjects in so many forms. However, when the term Fentanyl is used, or you hear someone say it, what comes to your mind? Is it a government-controlled substance that was made legal for the world to utilize for health reasons? Um, Is it making you think you need to figure out how you need to try to find more of your prescription medication because you're in so much pain that you have doubled up or took more than your prescription was written out and you've run out? And maybe the doctor won't prescribe you anymore? Um, Is it making you think of your next high? Because you're addicted, unfortunately, to something that takes you to a place that nobody understands. Because of a level of pain that is so unbearable. Since maybe you were in an accident. Or you've lost a limb. Or you've had surgery or chronic pain. Or maybe you're self-medicating. Is it making you think that you need to amp up? Some of your drugs that you're, that maybe you're making so that your supply on the streets is in demand and addicting. If you put a little something, something in it that's extra, maybe it would make somebody want it a little bit more, right? And then over anybody else. I mean, it'll, it is all about the marketing and supply and demand in this cutthroat cut throat world of making a living, right? Or maybe you're, you're a dealer with being accused and responsible of someone dying accidentally because of your supply. Maybe it was laced and to a lethal po- a potency that maybe you weren't even aware of but now you have to carry that heavy charge on your shoulders. Not only the death of somebody that may even well have been your friend but maybe even also prison time. <clears throat> or Are you not able to do anything at all? And you need round-the-clock medical care because the effects of this drug made you unaware and unable to continue your life as before as a normal, realistic person. And now your world is dependent on someone caring for you. Or are you listening to this podcast right now Thinking how you're an immune from this even happening to you, because you don't do drugs, um or maybe you know your dealer and you guys are friends. I mean, your buddies, your beasties, right? I mean, you guys go way back, right? <clears throat> it ain't gonna happen to you. They're not gonna do that to you. <clears throat> maybe you're in self denial. Maybe you're a victim of this life-altering death form of life already. <clears throat> Even if maybe you're just one of the blessed survivors that overdosed, but unintentionally. But you live to talk about it, if you remember it even happening. Maybe you died and you don't even realize you died. You just thought you went to sleep and you woke up and didn't understand what all the fuss was about. It confused you. Or maybe you're thinking, man, someone must have swapped my drugs with theirs, right? Maybe maybe they looked at yours and thought, man, they got more in their bag. So they got greedy and gave you the bad stuff instead and took yours and swapped it out and you didn't know it. <clears throat> or maybe you're grieving and you're mourning the loss of someone Because of all the above I just said. And then some. Now like I said before. I know this is a huge subject. And a very very sensitive subject. But it is a much needed one. That desperately needs to be. Educated. Acknowledged. Understood. Looked at from multiple angles. And intervened. It doesn't need to be looked at directly through the eyes of the addicted, the enabler, the drug dealer, the friend, the parent, the grandparents, professional people. It needs to be looked at from all angles because it is that serious. Now, I already know that I would not be able to explore as much as I would love to in the time frame allocated in this podcast. Um, However, I do plan on touching base on this area as much as possible, as many times as possible, if that is what it takes. If it saves just one life, then it is worth the fight against time. So hopefully to help out (coughs) excuse me, so hopefully to help put into perspective how important this is I'm going to listen some devastating news um, some facts and statistics that I found and researched and it's mind boggling it really is scary <clears throat> so to put in perspective the high significant potency level of fentanyl I came across a website called medical news today And according to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, in the medical news today, fentanyl is 100 more times potent than morphine. And 50 times more potent than heroin. In fact, it is the most potent opium pain reliever available for medical use and treatment. The most potent Now, I understand that many people in the world are prescribed this medication, and in its intentions, when it was created, for pain, chronic pain, um, and there are people in the world that desperately do need it. (coughs) Many healthcare professionals prescribe this medication and consider it to be a safe and effective way to treat their patients. This, of course, is being controlled and monitored in a professional manner and setting however even still in doing so it opens up the door for high potency use that in itself can turn into a struggling dependency for pain relief that doesn't even put a dent into the pain or misery to the point death may sound like a better relief option than the pain that they are going through even if it's taken in a medically observed and professional manner it can still go to a whole other level than what it is intentionally intended for. And it can change at a drop of a hat in order just to find some relief. <clears throat> Sadly, though, instead the body builds up an immunity. To the medication, to where the person seeks more and more to try to re- reach the threshold of some sort of relief. So, when their body builds up this tolerance, eventually the drug is not going to do anything at the at the prescription level that it's at, because your body's going to uh, gain an immunity to it, and it's just going to be a part of the system. <clears throat> their tolerance level will change over time, instead, the person can unintentionally become addicted. Oftentimes not even realizing that they are. The doctor may even cut a patient off after a certain length of time. Insurance may stop covering it. You may ran out of it because you take more um, out of your month's supply. And eventually your prescription runs out. But you still have a half month or so left um, before you can get your refill. So what are you going to do? Your doctor may even prescribe you an additional pain medicine, um, such as morphine, to complement, um, your drug for your level of pain. The fentanyl prescription to help, uh, to help you, though, you gotta keep in mind, is more potent than the morphine, but morphine's pretty potent too. Um, and yet maybe it still isn't helping. Instead, maybe you are feeling totally different. and A different way that makes you feel some sort of paralysis in your own mind and body. Everything is amplified, but yet no one is talking. Your own mind echoes in your head. But you're still in pain. Your pharmacist may prescribe you a counteracting drug. Just in case you overdose. So now... So now you have this responsibility of somebody needing to recognize when you overdose. And praying that they can intervene in time. And this lies in the hand of someone that may not even know what is even going on. What to do. Maybe not even realize you're even addicted or there's even a problem. May not even realize that you're on so much medication or you're self-medicating. Or maybe it's your youngest innocent five year old child uh that's there that finds you. What are they supposed to do? You think they're gonna know what a what a what a counteracting drug is even gonna look like or let alone what it's all about? It's one thing to teach your child how to die nine one one, but nine one one ain't gonna do you no good when you're racing against time. And how how long have you actually been laying there? So you got this person there that's gotta that's gotta save your life. <clears throat> so now they're thinking, how do I even know how to use this drug Narcan on you? What is it? What am I even doing? This why am I even doing this? Why is this even happening? How would I even know where to even look? For something that I don't even know that even exists here. Let alone, how do I know how to even use this? Do I have time to read these instructions? What does this even mean? How long have you been like this? Are you How long have you been unconscious? Will I hurt you if I use this? And you are not even really overdosing enough to even administer this stuff? I mean... <sighs> If I give this to you, you're not overdosing. Is it going to hurt you? Is it going to kill you? Um, you know or are the are the neighbors? I mean, what do I do? What if this is expired? Where's the expiration date? If I give it to you and it's expired, does it mean it's not going to work right? How many do I have to give you? There's two in this box. I can't even read or see through my tears that I've got right now coming down my eyes. Please wake up. Please wake up and explain this to me. How am I supposed to save your life? Why are you not waking up? What am I supposed to do? Do I call nine one one? Do I take the chance of being wrong and get you and everyone else in trouble? Will we lose our kids, our home, our neighbors, our family, our friends? What are the neighbors going to think? Will the police believe me or think that I I've done something to you? What if I don't call? And I just give this to you. Will you still die? Will you die? Will this be enough? Will I need to put more? Do I need to get the other one out too? Oh my. Is, is there not even any Narcan here? Where is it at when I need it? If I give you CPR, will I will I get, have a chance of contracting this too? Will it still be in your mouth and in your system? And is it going to absorb in me? Please wake up. I need you to wake up right now. I'm so confused. I need you. Please don't die. It's that deep. It literally is that deep. (sighs) My heart goes out to anybody that may need to pause right now. I am so sorry. I am so sorry for all of your pain. I know that does not heal your state of loss and your emptiness right now. Please take a moment, gather your str- strength the best you can. Take a deep breath and slowly let it out and try to focus on what this pos- podcast is going to be about. Getting the word out. Educating. Making a difference to save lives and reassure you that your loved one's voice, their life, their laughter, their memories, their name, their family, their story. It matters. And we as a whole need to make it known as much as possible. Because wherever possible... Is where it's needed. And as much often as possible. I think I need to take a breath. (sighs) I'm so sorry for your pain. There are multiple, multiple people. That rely on medication. To help them with their pain and try to do it in a responsible way. Yet, sadly, it can end up making someone's life choice... to find relief in their pain and suffering. Maybe it isn't even their drug of choice. Maybe it isn't even a high that they were even looking for at all. I guess maybe it shouldn't matter. the reason. Maybe it doesn't matter. What is the relevance to the fact... That they are now caught up in a world beyond their abilities to even cope in any sort of direction at at all anymore. Why would it matter if they had a surgery? Why would it matter if they were soldiers in a war fighting in places that they struggle now to to get their minds out of and they have to take a, a prescription medication to help them survive? maybe it doesn't matter that they lost a limb and can't handle the chronic pain that they try to nonstop manage why would it matter if they have past trauma and are under a doctor's care for maybe a Xanax or another prescribed medication why should we care that they suffered a severe loss in their life and maybe they're grieving and through this pain and suffering they are medically diagnosed by a healthcare professional and given treatment to help them. No. Now they're an addict, right? They're druggy. They're worthless. They will never have any type of life at all. And they are better off out on the streets. And that's where they want to be. And how they choose to live. And I'm done with it. And I can't take any more. Please just get out of my house. You've done enough. Confused? Yeah. That is exactly what it does. It is confusing. It's heartbreaking. It is devastating. And it's someone's life. Regardless of how they got there, if they are there, then that is where they are. And that in itself is too much. I am saying this is real. This is a real thing. This is happening. This needs to be acknowledged, understood, educated, heard, and it needs to be intervened by us folks. Us. Why? Because it goes further than a prescription medication. It goes further than a drug addict. This goes further than you and me. One life is too many. One life is worth the time, it is worth the effort, and it is worth your own life as well as those around you that you love. <laughs> Street drugs don't carry a zip code. They don't carry a time and place. They don't carry a particular sex. They don't carry a particular ra- ra- race, religion, c- country, or age. You know what they carry? They carry the tears of the ones left behind. They carry the empty place at the table. They carry unexchanged gifts at the holidays. They carry the memories and the stories frozen in time in a picture. They carry a human being. They carry someone's child, someone's parent, someone's friend, someone's something in a casket. I saw a post that came across on Facebook the other day. And it left an everlasting impression on me. And one, um, honestly, is probably one of the reasons why I'm even doing this particular subject right now. And... <coughs> in this post... I'm going to read it exactly as it's printed in this post. <coughs> and, um... <laughs> yeah, wow. This is what went... Uh, this is what went on um, on the internet and continues to go around the internet and uh, around our lives, around the globe. <clears throat> it reads Arizona. More than this, it was this was an article, okay? <clears throat> this happened in Arizona at the border. And if I pronounce any words, I'm so sorry. Because between my teeth and my mouth and some words that I might mispronounce, I apologize. But the point of the matter is the story. So it starts off. Arizona. More than one half a million. More than half a million fentanyl pills. Seized at the Nogales port of entry in a single bust according to the CBP. One Tuesday, 538,000, no, I'm sorry, 538,400 pills, 538,400 pills and 24.10 pounds of fentanyl powder were found in the decorative stone items along with 5.30 pounds of heroin. <clears throat> in a separate bus hours later, CBP officers found approximately 73,400 fentanyl pills hidden in the seats of a car. These busts bring the total pills seized this fiscal year at the end of one port. At this one port of entry, two more. Then, are you ready for this number? <clears throat> this one port of entry in one fiscal year collected 45.79 million. 45.7 million. That is just at this particular point. Port at this particular moment and these are not prescription drugs people these are laced and potent narcotic killing drugs these are put into other things without a hint of recognition prescription drugs don't get smuggled in the borders prescription drugs don't get stuffed in the seats of a car or in a fancy little vase going to market these are street drugs these are street go- drugs going to our wives, our husbands, our mothers, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our fathers, our grandparents, our friends, our professional workers, our children. And you know where else these street drugs go? You know where else they go? Our family pets. you think that it don't get spilled on the floor? You think an infant isn't crawling around or a pet isn't eating things up, up off that carpet? <sighs> People mix other drugs with fentanyl. <clears throat> they mix other pills with fentanyl. They mix fentanyl in some drinks and food, anything they can get high. It can come in the form of a candy, suckers, gummies, anything. I'm not trying to purposely scare anybody, but but hey folks, this is scary. This is a life, this is life in this world now. It really is. And our borders are not just the culprits either. It doesn't just happen at the, at the borders, people. It really doesn't. You think there aren't some backyard drug makers, and we have rocket scientists playing lab in a world, in a world that you think that we're all immune to? No, there's a lot of backyard scientists playing lab. Right in your very own neighborhood. <clears throat> and it just, it just isn't at the borders. Now, prescription fentanyl, it comes in several forms. Some examples are name brands. Um, and some you may not even recognize. Um, and I'm probably going to butcher the names. And... <laughs> um, a-C-T-I-Q, Duragesic, <clears throat> uh, D-U-R-A-G-E-S-I-C, and Sublimaze, S-U-B-L-I-M-A-Z-E. You might think, man, phew, I don't take any of those. These are name brands. How many people actually get name brand prescriptions? <clears throat> I mean, insurance, <laughs> they you a good generic name. Most, I mean, they don't want to pay pay for the name brand. Honestly, I don't even know why they even make name brand. Most time insurance won't let you have it. Um, But it doesn't matter what the name of the brand is. It matters that the purpose and what it is, and it comes in any name form. (coughs) Some medical uses for fentanyl include. Now, these might be some reasons why people are taking fentanyl. And these are justified medical reasons. <clears throat> and anesthesia for patients undergoing heart surgery or for patients with a poor heart function. Management of breakthrough cancer pain in patients who are already receiving opium medication for an underlying persistent pain related to cancer. <laughs> pain management in people who have persistent, moderate to severe chronic pain requiring continuous around the clock opiates pain relief for people who are already taken narcotic Inge- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher this name My, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know I'm, my mind is going, yeah, I don't want to pronounce it because my teeth in my mouth are just going to butcher this <sighs> analgesics analgesics I don't know. Anal. Anal. Like, anal. (laughs) And jessics. (laughs) Anal (laughs) What is it going to say? Yeah. We'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And, um, maybe they're already, um, already opiate tolerant. For continuous delivery, fentanyl is administered through a transdermal patch that attaches to the skin. And the patch works slowly, releasing the fentanyl through the skin into the bloodstream over a 20 to 72 hour time frame. And doctors can also, um, can only administer the fentanyl patch to people who are already tolerant. Um, and, um, in their therapy have similar strength. So you're already taking medication and you're already basically intolerant, you know, you're tolerant to it. You're you're immune to it, basically. You can withstand it. Um, And because it's already been absorbed through your skin, fentanyl can continue to be effective for 13 to 24 hours after the patch is even taken off. However, this also depends on how your skin absorbs the drug. Because everybody absorbs, their skin absorbs differently. Some might have more poor skin than others or might sweat more than others. There's a lot of factors. Other people are more likely than younger individuals to experience adverse. Oh, I'm sorry. Older people are more likely to. Let me start over. (laughs) I'm sorry. Older people are more likely than younger individuals to experience adverse effects, especially the respiratory depressant effects of the fentanyl. Healthcare professionals must exercise extreme caution and regularly monitor people in this age group. Some side effects of fentanyl include drowsiness, confusion, constipation, weakness, dry mouth, constricted pupils, unconsciousness, slowed respirations, decreased heart rate, nausea, sweating, flushing, stiff or rigid muscles filling, uh, tight filling in the throat and difficulty concentrating <clears throat> some adverse effects associated with the, the patch include discoloration a rash, itching or swelling where they put the patch at <clears throat> synthetic fentanyl this is not the medically uh, approved fentanyl through the CDC and wherever else it goes Synthetic fentanyl is illegal. It can come in a powder form, pills. It can be put into containers such as eyedroppers, nasal sprays, patches, throat lozenges, needles. can be smoked, snorted. Honestly, if they're going to put it in eyedroppers, I'm pretty safe to say they can pretty much put it in any type of form. Um... Some street names can include Apache, China Girl, Goodfellas, Poison, and even Tango and Cash. Fentanyl binds to the neural receptors in the brain that affect pain and emotion. It may help some relax and relieve their pain. However, um, how it affects someone can depend also on many factors of that individual. It might depend on their size, their weight, their medical health condition, in, in general, and how much they take, as well as how much their immune system and their body absorbs. Whether it was in a combination, uh, whether it's in a combination with other drugs, and what drugs are already in your system, <clears throat> um, and also alcohol. Uh, treatment for fentanyl addiction is the same as for any opiate use disorder and depends on the severity of the addiction. Um, so the treatment for this is the same, but it depends on the level of your addiction. Treatment may include inpatient and outpatient detox, medication treatments for managing cravings and relapse, and residential and outpatient behavioral programs uh, treatment programs and I do know that not all facilities are um, beneficial and equipped for certain levels, so please, if it is something you need, please do your research, because I hate for you to try to get help and get discouraged and relapse because the treatment plan you got was not what you needed. There are multiple multiple amounts of places um, that are equipped to handle your level of what you need. So please do your research on there. <clears throat> um, or somebody have somebody help you. Um, if you think you're getting treatment and it's not what you want and you don't feel like you're benefit- benefiting from it, then you're not. If you don't feel like you're getting any justice out of your treatment, then you're not getting any justice out of your treatment. Because if you were, then you would feel like you were, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> medications may include... Um, Uh, I'm going to probably butcher this name too. Um, Buprenorphine, B-U-P-R-E-N-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. It's been a long time since medical terminology. (laughs) Um, And methadone, Um, which affect the same receptors in the brain that are impacted by fentanyl. This helps reduce the symptoms of withdrawal. It's another factor to consider. Withdrawal is a deadly thing in itself sometimes too. Um, a doctor may also choose to prescribe uh, Narcan, <clears throat> which is a different medication that stops the fentanyl from affecting the body. <clears throat> um, when medication is is right for a person, which medication is right for a person depends on many factors. A person should discuss the best source of treatment with their doctor. Of course, obviously, talk to your doctor. Um, if you you know need to get a therapist, get a therapist. There's no shame in that. Um, This may also help them develop a healthier lifestyle and support them in their constant medication use um, if if medication is actually part of your treatment. I know some people that are um, recovering addicts, if you will, um, I applaud you, um, by the way, I really do applaud you, um, and say they're hurt or something. And they're, they're recovering addicts, but they tell their doctor, I don't want any pain medication. And they don't necessarily want to go into the reasons of why. Um, but you do have that choice. <clears throat> Some therapy options may include um, certain uh, behavior therapy which works on changing behavior and may, managing triggers and anxiety. You might go to therapy and, and that just builds your anxiety and triggers things that you didn't even know that you even existed or maybe you thought that you had overcome and put aside but you go to therapy and and it might end up make, actually making you um, feel ways that you weren't feeling before <clears throat> and not in necessarily a positive direction because it stirred up some of your emotions. Um... You know, they might have points where they give you drug tests, <coughs> uh, motivational uh, in, intervening, or I'm sorry, interviewing, which counsels the individual based on their unique needs and their conflicting feelings regarding their need to change in order to overcome their addiction. So you might have like a motivational person or a sponsor. <coughs> Rehabilitation centers can help people get through withdrawals without relapsing or experiencing any medical problems. They can provide medications and offer forms of support in some cases. They can help someone gradually taper off of the fentanyl. Because whenever you whenever you try to sober up and rehabilitate, <coughs> sometimes just and um like I said before the withdrawals alone. Um They can be deadly. They really can. And they can take your mind in places that. um, Suicide's a real thing. (laughs) Suicide is a real thing. And that's no joke. Um, They can also help the person work through the issues in their life. That may have led them to use the fentanyl in the first place. You know whenever somebody uses drugs. It's not because they think oh hey I think today I'm going to be a drug drug addict. No. um, I don't think so. There's a root to a problem. There's a root to something. Self medication is there for a reason. One of the more common forms of therapy used with substance abusers is um cognitive behavior therapy which helps the person identify their triggers um for even why they're using their drug so it helps you to get down to the root of the problem but don't wait to get help if you have a problem with fentanyl or any other type of drug for that, that matter um or if you know someone who does try to try to i mean you might be the one person that makes a difference in their life and saves their life and if you and it's better it's better not to second guess yourself and make the person mad at you than it is to second guess yourself and never be able to talk to that person ever again. And um you know, if things need to be done safely. <clears throat> Um, as with any opiate, though, there's always a risk of dependency, intolerance, misuse, and addiction. Physical dependence results in withdrawal symptoms when individuals abruptly stop taking the drug. Your body can actually physically have a withdrawal episode. Even seizures. I mean, your body is going to go into shock. <clears throat> because it has been dependent and tolerated this drug where it's been a part of its system now. And it doesn't know what to do if you take it away. (laughs) Withdrawal (laughs) symptoms usually start within 12 hours of the last dose of fentanyl and can last one week or more. And individuals in withdrawal may experience some of the following. Dilated pupils. Vomiting and nausea. Diarrhea. Goosebumps. Runny nose. Hot flashes. Cold flashes. Chills. Anxiety agitation, insomnia, and severe generalized pain. Maybe that might not sound like much to some, but have you ever sat in your mind with anxiety going on? And not being able to sleep? It's pretty loud. People who use fentanyl swiftly develop a high tolerance to high doses. Meaning that the more the drug is needed, in order for them to achieve the desired effect. So it's like they get high. And then their body builds immunity to And they got to keep getting more and more and more and more and more. Before they realize that they're addicted. But they're still. They're still tolerant of it. So then you need to seek more. And it's just. A, it's a devastating. It's a devastating domino effect. And. Um, behavior changes and become harmful, and have significant negative consequences. <clears throat> and death. <laughs> death, ultimately. Um, Opioid-dependent individuals sometimes use fentanyl as a substitute for heroin. However, it is a very dangerous substitute because of its marked potency and the inability for people to... um Gauge doses and stuff. Resulting to frequent deadly overdoses. Because fentanyl is more potent than heroin. So try mixing the two together. <coughs> no please don't. But I'm just saying. <laughs> um, pure fentanyl powder. Is also very difficult. To dilute, to dilute appropriately. Often resulting in a dangerously strong mixture. It can be deadly. Even for people who have a high tolerance rate. In some cases, death occurs so quickly that people are found with the needle still in their arm or at their injection site. It's that quick. Fentanyl use can result in an accidental death with just one small dose. Even if the person tries to be careful. They can still accidentally take too much and do it incorrectly. What if they're doing a needle and they blow their vein? Are they put it in the wrong spot? I mean, anywhere in your arm is the wrong spot. But <clears throat> put it in that bloodstream. Put it in your in your muscle. Um, you know, <sighs> some signs of symptoms of fentanyl overdose include. Slow and shallow breathing, small pupils, choking or gurgling sound, a limp body, slow heartbeat, severe sleepiness, cold, clammy, and maybe even blue skin, trouble talking or, or walking, feeling faint, dizzy, and confused, and unresponsive. Many Fentanyl overdoses thought to be from heroin have actually been from Fentanyl. Even a small dose of just two milligrams, two little milligrams can be lethal. Not even bigger than a, not not bigger than a grain of, of sand. <coughs> And depending on how tolerant they are and their body size, it can be even less. Coroner's offices and state crime labs, they don't even test for fentanyl or anything of that nature unless it is given a specific reason to do so. About 500,000 counterfeit pills can be manufactured from one kilogram of fentanyl one kilogram of fentanyl can make 500,000 pills (laughs) the food and drug administration has warned that deaths and overdoses have occurred in people using both the brand name um product gergesic and the generic um patches the generic fentanyl patches most recently it warned that children are at a particular risk for accidental death and exposure (laughs) an overdose of fentanyl I don't even have to say it it's an emergency Um, a person exhibiting the symptoms of an overdose should get immediate medical attention and if they don't they can get hypoxia which means that there's no oxygen going to the brain they can put them into a coma they can be brain dead and it can even just instantly kill them the treatment for an overdose is usually narcan however some will need to, to someone will need to give this to him as soon as possible the medication will block the side effects of the fentanyl however since the fentanyl is very strong a person may need several doses of it in order to counteract the drug some patients and healthcare professionals may not even be fully aware of the dangers of this very strong narcotic All of society, including our families, our schools, our medical community, law enforcement, government officials, they need to be aware of the potency and the lethal outcomes of improper medical and illicit fentanyl use. In doing so, though, knowing about it and being able to help and intervene with it in such a desperate time matter is key, more so when it's time to save someone's life. So what do we do as individuals, as a group, and society as a country and the entire planet for that matter. Because it it's not just here in the States. <clears throat> which is where I'm at. <laughs> how do we help our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, and each other? If we recognize, you know, we recognize these signs but we don't have the resources to intervene. What if we don't have any Narcan hand on hand or even know how to even get any? And if it's such this big of a of a um uncontrolled instant death sentence, why isn't it just at our disposal? You know, I mean, like medical gloves and (laughs) masks. I mean, really? Um Another scary thing though about this is that it is a nasal spray. It you know, Narcan is a nasal spray. And I say it's scary because you know, fentanyl can come in nasal form. And I'm not trying to say, you know, that's what's happening here, but you know, we got some we got some crazy crazy people in this world, and I mean that with respect. And you know, some things are imported and they're copied By our backyard chemistry labs. And we've got people that smuggle. Um, That's a great way to kill a nation off though. Right? So what now? What will things. um, You know. When things are supposed to be so controlled like they are. And the people have the power. You know. But yet things continue to leave us asking question after question and question. and, And we don't even know what the answers. You know are. Because we don't get any answers. And we try to continue to research for answers. But then we keep running into brick walls. At the expense of our loved ones. Why should it take the death of my loved one. To get something done. About saving the death of my loved one. That's now gone. I have so many questions. You know and some things I can't answer. But these I can't. I I just can't. I interviewed a pharmacist um, lady the other day and uh, I I go there to pick my mom's prescriptions up. Um, In case you don't know, I take care of my mother. (coughs) Uh, My dad passed away a little over a year ago and um, I am my mom's 24-7 caretaker. She's blind and disabled. (coughs) And uh, so I was at the pharmacist and I was talking to her. Because you know, my mom, um, she has refused. She's refused to take any form of narcotic medication. Uh, her words: "I don't want to get addicted." <clears throat> and my mom literally has a pain receptor implant infused to her spine um, with the purpose to block pain receptors. Um, and sadly, my mom is still in unbearable pain. Um, she has so many chronic medical conditions and concerns. Um, honestly, it would be easy for me to tell you what she doesn't have wrong with her. Um, anyway, it got to the point where, um, the doctor had prescribed her. I mean, they were, they were running out of options. My mom is literally in tears and pain, crying to the doctor, you know, and, Uh, My mom doesn't do that. (laughs) And, um... They prescribed her morphine... And Percocet. Now... My mom... And my mom doesn't want to take narcotic drugs. And for her to agree to finally take them after about, say, 10-15 years... She's desperate. And, uh... She was taking four Percocets a day. Two in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night. And then they decided to add two morphine p- pills, time released, every twelve hours. And um, upon starting taking the additional morphine, my mom started having some problems, <coughs> additional problems. And her blood pressure, and blood pressure was going just off the chart. Now, granted, she does have a lot of health concerns; she really does. Um, but her blood pressure had got like two twelve over one eighty eight. Her mouth was drawing up. Um, She said she could literally feel her heart pounding in her chest. Like it was going to beat out of her chest. She was um, dizzy. She couldn't walk. (coughs) Um, We ended up in the ER. And they took her off the morphine. And said she was over medicated. And the doctor um, then uh, took her off the morphine. And added time release Percocets on top of her other Percocets. So she was supposed to take four regular Percocets a day and then two time release Percocets every 12 hours. <clears throat> and they put this on her for a week to see how she would feel. And um, her week actually is up tomorrow. With that being said, um, it's not relieving her pain at all. <clears throat> and um, she was complaining that she doesn't like the way she feels. It, 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 she do not like the feeling she's feeling. And she wanted me to stop giving her her regular person, and and only give her the two time released ones. <clears throat> she didn't want to overdose, and she felt that's what was going on, and she 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 did not want to take a chance. And um, so now she's taking the two time release, <clears throat> but then she had me add one of her pain uh, pills in there because um, it just isn't working for her, and. Um, she's going to be out of her trial supply tomorrow and she's going to talk to her doctor, um, to find a different option because this option is just not working for her and she doesn't want to just take pain pills and get addicted and, um, she's trying to be, uh, responsible but yet she's in so much pain that she tells them, you know, she, she'd rather, she probably would feel better if she lost her legs or, um, the severity is so bad that you know, she probably would be better off dead because the pain is that sep- severe. She doesn't want to die. <clears throat> and she's not trying to imply that. But it's that example on how bad the pain is. <clears throat> and my point you know, my mom refused narcotic drugs for all these years. She had three bypasses in her legs. She's got fibromyalgia, PAD, neuropathy, heart condition, stage three kidney, hypertension. You know, this is some of the few of the conditions she's got. She's 71 years old. 71 years old. And she says her her legs are slowly getting pr- paralyzed. She feels like she they're just paralyzed and she's having trouble walking. Um she's got severe varicose veins. Um she's got spinal stenosis. She's got a bulging disc. She's got the pain receptor <clears throat> and it does everything she's got. Takes everything she's got to be able to walk. To the bathroom, with the aid of a walker and my help, and um, you know they go back and forth with this pain medication here and there and stuff. And you know the effects and different levels of pain medication mixed with other medication on top of of all that, and being swapped back and forth. You know, and and for this, for her to still be fighting such an overwhelming level of pain on a con- on a constant with no relief and she is constantly in tears, and my heart breaks for her, because I see the amount of pain that she's in, and suffering, and it's like, why, why can't there be any other options? You know, you can't mask the pain, and it's not even doing a good job, so if it's not even helping the pain, it's just giving her drugs, and she doesn't want that, So why is that the only option? Why is that level of severe pain uh, and narcotic prescription the only option? You know, so now I'm standing in front of this pharmacist and I prescribe my mom a can of some Narcan. She she was like, oh hey, you know your mom's on this Percocet and this morphine, and uh, uh, we like to offer um, some Narcan and you can get it for free. We, well, I, I don't know if you can just by going in and asking for it, but, um, or insurance paid for it. I, either way, we didn't pay for it. I'm sure ins- insurance probably paid for it because nothing in this world's free anymore, um, except people's opinions. Um, That's <laughs> not nice, but I feel like it's true. <laughs> um, so anyway, so the lady, um, says, you know, hey, I'm going to prescribe your mom some Narcan. In case of an overdose. And I'm asking her questions. You know. I'm like. Well I've got some questions. That I want to know. Before the time comes. Because I don't want to have to try to figure it out. Or try to look it up. And Google. Something in time. And half the time. Google don't understand anyway. Um. Or wants to reword what you're saying. I don't have time for that. When it comes to the life of. of, You know. A life of death situation. So this is what I learned. She says. Narcan stops. It intercepts opiates instantly. It stops the pain medication instantly. And the person may feel the effects of being in pain from their pain medication being interrupted and stopped. So in simple terms, it instantly dissolves your pain medication and stops it, cold and distracted. It it cuts the bind, the receptors. And... Uh, you basically, she said, you basically wait, they wake up almost instantly and they're in severe pain because, um, their medic, their pain medication was stopped. And, um, one dose should be enough to wake them up, up almost instantly. And, um. Hopefully in time to save their life. <clears throat> Usually, um, after about three minutes though, if one doesn't work, um, you can administer the second one. <clears throat> if you have a second one. Um, one Narcan is one dose. And it goes in your nose and either nose. It's just a spray. <clears throat> you stick it in there and, sh- and squirt it. <clears throat> she said, call one and give the Narcan. Now I was thinking, well, maybe she gives a Narcan and then call a nine one, but then I remember, well, you know, you could probably give the Narcan and call nine one at the same time <laughs> because time is the essence either way. Um, and um, if you give Narcan to a person and say they're not necessarily overdosing, but you're not really for sure, and you don't want to take a chance. Uh, on them overdosing or being second-guessing yourself. So she said if if you're not for sure, but you think they're overdosing, but you're not for sure, and you give them the Narcan, it will not harm them. It will not hurt them. And um, if you give it to them and they don't need it, it will not hurt them. And she said if it's expired, something is better than nothing. And it just might not be as strong as a non-expired one, though. But it is better... Uh, to try it than not to. <clears throat> and um, I got my mom's box of Narcan out. And looked at the um, the instructions. <clears throat> and I decided to go ahead and relay those instructions on here. So um, if you come across some Narcan or something. And you don't have time to read the instructions. Or maybe um, there are no instructions on it. Or whatever the case may be. It's easier sometimes just to try to remember, um, well, I can't say that because that's not always true. Um, but anyway, I figured I'd relay the instructions. So, this is what her box says. Um, hers is for, um, um, hers is for intranasal spray. A four microgram, uh, intranasal spray, or milligram, sorry. Small M, small G. It's been a long time since I've done medical terminology. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, and it says, Call one and min- administer a single spray intranasally into one no- nostril upon signs of opiate overdose. So you just take one spray and, and spray it in the nose. Repeat after three minutes if no response. So, if the person does not respond and wake up, after three minutes, give them another. Protect the Narcan from light. You want to keep it out of direct light. <coughs> so, um, hopefully... <laughs> um, that part makes sense. Hopefully, you never have to, to, um... Hopefully, you never have to worry about that. Um... And I, I pray that this gets better than, um, worse. But it's going to take a lot of prayer and a lot of intervention and a lot of education uh, in this world. Across, across every border. Um, you know, there are many that use pain medication. And it is, it is effective. Without any outside need of adding to their treatment or anything, and it is effective. When it, when, when it's a prescription drug, it is, and it it's done the way it's supposed to be done, it can be effective. However, that doesn't mean that, is, that it couldn't happen. <clears throat> you know, you could be taking your medication, and maybe it is treating you right or whatever, and, and that's all great, and I and I hope so. But then you're going to be on this drug for the rest of your life, And be dependent on it. It is going to become a part of your your system. So anything that you do in life, even if it's just going and having a glass of wine or or other medication or over-the-counter or whatever, it has to be factored in. Because it does have a reaction to other things. And alcohol can intensify drugs. And hard liquor, um, you know, that's different than having a beer. That's a a lot more potent, you know, but still, it still amplifies it. (coughs) You know, my, my, my younger sister, she had gastric surgery years ago. (coughs) And she has a lot of health concerns. And, um, I know her body doesn't absorb her medication the way, say, mine does. And, um, she doesn't have a gallbladder. She has pancreatitis now, chronic. Um, she has a lot of medical concerns. She was on life support for, um, a good while. And, um, by the gracious of God and some very awesome Blessed doctors. Um, She did recover. Off of life support. And uh, she had part of her stomach removed. She's not able to digest. Um, I think a bird eats more than she does. And a lot of. um, Lack of nourishment that she needs in her body. um, Is depleted. It's not even absorbed correctly. So obviously when you take when you have gastric surgery <clears throat> or any type of surgery that has to do with the way your body metabolizes your your medication I don't know if medical professionals factor that in <clears throat> because my sister can't take and absorb and metabolize in the same way say I can because of her 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 digestive system, her pancreatitis, her gallbladder being removed, the surgery—there's a lot of factors in there, <clears throat> and um, you know it's—it's it's a big deal. She's got a lot of problems, a lot of pain. <clears throat> you know they—they put a pump in her for pain. Um, And she's had some problems with that. That she's going to actually have another surgery. Where she has to have some of her intestines removed. Um, And it's a constant battle. You know, my sister and my mom. they are two prime examples of how innocent a medical condition can be. To turn into a possible devastating addiction. If any type of scenario changes for either one of them. And thankfully... And I pray that that is not a factor at this moment in time. And I pray it never will be. But that doesn't mean that it hasn't been close. You know, and... I have a very close and loved friend. I love her dearly. And, um... She lost her son... She lost her son by a simple Xanax pill. (laughs) He thought he was getting Xanax and it was fentanyl. It killed him instantly. He left behind six little young kids. One of them probably not even two years old yet. Or maybe, maybe now they are. And he's been gone, um... A, uh, no, a year maybe Not even a year yet. I'm not really a year and a half two years. I'm not really for really sure <laughs> um, I'm still morning lost to my dad and and he's been gone a year and a half so my time frame of time loss is um, not very accurate sometimes because when you lose someone you love so much the world doesn't understand that they're gone and it doesn't understand that time stops for you and it just keeps going. So my time perspective is not always the greatest. Um, But the point is taking a simple xenex pill (coughs) and it killed him instantly because it was laced with fentanyl. So now six little little young kids don't have their daddy. And I have another friend I went to college with. And her daughter, uh, overdosed. And I have my, one of my very, very, very best friends, my beastie. Um, a girl who has my back even when, um, I don't have my own. <laughs> uh, her daughter, her youngest daughter, daughter's best, her youngest daughter's best friend. <clears throat> um. She overdosed fentanyl, killed her. And I have another very important person in my life that was in my life. Um, Love him dearly. And um, he overdosed. But he was able to be survived and, um, revived. And he survived. And, um, there's other several people that I know of. His, um, his nephew's best friend uh, overdosed and died. And, um, He's had several friends that he knows has passed away from overdose as well. And, um, I'm a part of a, um, Facebook group page. (sighs) Um, And it's, it's called Lost Voices of Fentanyl. And I have it on my newsfeed as a reality check. (laughs) and I say that because it reminds me that something needs to be done it reminds me my place and keeping myself in check um, and a lot of things that my mindset on things and um, losing my loved ones and people that I know it's just it's it's (sighs) it devastates me to read the countless stories um, from those trying to gather themselves just enough. Gather themselves just enough from the dark abyss that that continues to overtake them and overshadows them and just severs them into tiny slithers and takes their breath away and suffocates them with their own breath and My heart cries out so deeply for each and every one of them, and um, like I said, that that group page and that article, <coughs> and my experiences with my friends and my people that I know and love, is a big, huge percentage of why you're listening to all this in the first place. Now I don't have an answer. <laughs> nor do I even know all the right questions to even ask. There isn't a simple solution. If there was a simple solution, it would already be solved, and countless families would not be mourning today the loss of their loved ones or themselves. And I pray that hopefully this podcast, along with each and every one of you that are listening, and maybe pass, pass it along. Some way get the word out and educate. In some way it will land in the right airwaves. In time for those that need to hear it. And know what they need to know before it's too, it's too late. Maybe in posting this. I can hopefully help someone. Educate someone. Or bring attention to what is needed. In a time to those that are going through it or have suffered from it or continue to suffer through it, because it is a continuous battle. Even when in a, in an addict gets clean, it's still a battle. Because even though they come overcome their addiction, doesn't mean they overcome the the root of the core of the issue of why they even started in the first place. Cause say if they've got chronic pain and they become addicted and they got off of it and they got sober and they got off of the addiction of the of the painkillers and stuff or whatever but they're still in pain so there's still this, this, the core root of the problem is still existent on top of them trying to survive their own level of addiction and now their mental stability on top of it <coughs> not to mention those around them because you know it, There's not a word to describe. There is not a word to describe when you walk into a room and your loved one needs you to save their life, needs you to give them CPR, needs you to call 911, needs you to have their life in your hands, in your breath, and in your being. And I know this for a fact. Because that's exactly what I had to do to my dad when he passed away from a heart attack. I gave him CPR and that, that man took his last breath with me. And I tried everything I had. they worked 45 minutes past what I worked on him with to try to save him. And I didn't even know what was going on, (laughs) Uh, but, and that's a prime example. But he, his was a heart attack. He had a defibrillator because it went off during the process of CPR and lit us both up. Um, But the devastating effects, effects. I'm sorry. Excuse me. The devastating effects of having that replay in your mind. And everything you do there's no word for it there really isn't to put on that level of magnitude of emotion because that also leaves you questioning yourself did you do enough and leave you apologizing for things that you don't even know what you're sorry for because you might not even know what happened you just know you were trying to save somebody that you knew was dying. The love of your life, maybe. Your child. Maybe a complete stranger. Either way, it's, it's, it's just... We need to bring attention to this. And hopefully we do so in time. And um, you know this is this is a silent and piercing struggle for so many, <clears throat> and there really just isn't any real justice. There really isn't. How do you really find justice for such a tragic loss? Somebody can do time in prison their whole life and still is not gonna heal that empty chair. If you are suffering from any level of grief or addiction, of any sort, please know there's resources out there. There's support groups. There are people that do care. And if you can go on that um, Facebook page, uh, <laughs> the Lost Voices of Fentanyl. <laughs> it's um, one of many. Sally, it's one of many. It's a huge reality check. Even if it's not your reality, it's somebody's. And, um, you know, it's very hard to continue life when you lose someone. It really is. And um, it's hard to do the holidays. The first year is the hardest year that you will ever endure. Because it's all the first of this, all the first of that. You need to have an outlet. You need to put your feelings somewhere. Trust me, you do. If you don't, please find something because if you don't find an outlet or an outsource of your grief it will consume you it will eat you alive you will stare at the abyss directly in the eye of death and it could p- p- quite possibly cost you your own life mm-hmm. when I lost my grandson in 2016 it says something not related to this but very tra- tragic very tragic and I've talked about it briefly on a few podcasts prior and I wear my scars on the outside of my body and the inside for my depression <clears throat> and um, I lost my whole being and everything in my life. I was homeless for two and a half years and um, <laughs> I lost everything. I mean I was a scientist and to uh, clean crime scenes for a living <laughs> and um, then I went to live in my van. And, um, during my journey, and I call it a journey, I really do, it's a, a journey of survival. And, um, I learned three very important things in, my, in, in this journey of mine. And I want to share them with you in hopes that maybe it might help you some. <clears throat> so, uh, first is, remember to Breathe. Yes, please do your normal breath. Please do. Very important. But I mean breathe through your anxiety. Try to breathe it out. Breathe it through. I use the 5 4 three, two, one method sometimes. If you're not familiar with it, please look it up. Um, and it does help me. I've done this sometimes where I've been driving down the road um, crying so hard I couldn't even see to drive. And I needed to calm myself down. And, um, I I did this method, and it calmed me down. (laughs) Sometimes it, it, um, it's not as strong, depends, I guess, on your level of anxiety, but, um, it does work. Um, number two, try to try. Even if you don't succeed in what you're trying to do, at least try to try to do it. And eventually, the more you try to try, eventually you're going to end up hopefully being able to do it. It's going to be more doable. Sometimes, you'll find that you have to try to try to try. (laughs) But keep going. If the only thing you do is to get up out of bed, you tried. I made myself sleep one time literally five days in a row because I, my mind was not in a good place and I didn't want to do something I didn't want to do. So I just stayed in bed and slept. And I've had a very long journey and if it was not for my youngest daughter. In my life saying, Mom, you need to get up. Mom, you need to eat. Mom, I applied for you a part-time job so you can get out of the house. You know, Mom, I would not be alive today. My little 13-year-old daughter, who ended up growing down to a beautiful, amazing 21-year-old mother. Literally saved my life. Depression is that deep. It really is that deep. Deeper than what anybody realizes. <clears throat> and the most important number three. And I thought it's the most important. And I wish I knew at the beginning of my whole recognition, if you will, of my depression. <clears throat> and I try to reach out to other people in my family and my friends. Mainly my family members. Uh. And, um, some of them I made the mistake of telling them that I was depressed when they asked me how I was. I said, you really want to know who I am? I'm depressed. You know, it takes everything I can to get up out of bed and, you know, sometimes, you know, and I I opened up my heart to them. And, um, (laughs) you would think that that would have mattered. But it didn't. It made it worse. And for me, because they pushed me out of their life and said I was mentally uh, I, and I apologize for my language I was a mentally unfit piece of shit <clears throat> and um, that was the cherry of the top for my depression and I think that's just kind of where it spiraled after that because I literally had nobody um, really to lean on except my daughter And she was going through a battle of her own um, at such a young age. And it was not her son, but it was her nephew. And, um, but she was, she was watching her mom. I don't don't want to describe what she was feeling because I don't know. I couldn't even imagine because I was in my own world of survival that Um, It was killing her at the same time and I wish I could I wish I could take that demon away from her and that level of magnitude off of her but I can't turn back time but I know that I would not be here today at all if I did not have her as a blessing in my life. Um she is truly an an amazing amazing uh, human being but um, the third thing that I learned find an outlet you need to find somewhere to put your feelings do not keep them bottled up inside if you don't you will be staring at the eyes of that dark abyss And you may not make it out. Especially on your own. And if you do, you don't even know what kind of form you're going to even be in. And don't let anybody put a time frame on your grief and your pain. Nobody has a time frame on how long they can mourn somebody. But also do not forget you have, you have other family members too. That was one of the things, that another thing my daughter missed out on. Because <clears throat> I couldn't do the holidays. I couldn't function as a human being. So many Christmases and so many holidays and so many birthdays and so many moments. I couldn't even, I couldn't even be there for her. I missed out on her life while she was saving mine. And then when I finally did do Christmas, six years later, that's how long it took me, six years, I did Christmas and I was proud of myself. I even dressed up for the holidays. which if you know me, that's a big deal. My daughter couldn't believe it. I had had to send her a picture. She's like, you don't send me a picture, it doesn't happen. That was the last Christmas I had with my dad. He died two weeks later. Had I not done the holiday with my family and with that man, I would have never got a chance again. Life doesn't realize that other people's lives stop. Even when they're still alive. It just keeps going. Find somewhere to put your feelings. <clears throat> I write poetry. I've posted a couple of them on a couple of other website or podcasts I've done. I write poetry. That's where my feelings went. <clears throat> Excuse me. My mom used to be a songwriter. <laughs> um, you know, she she used to write songs for her outlet. And, um, you know, when I was doing um, outpatient therapy, they wanted us to give a journal. And, you know, outpatient therapy wasn't for me. I don't want to sit in a room full of a group of people um, going around the room talking about stuff. And you only got two minutes to discuss what you're there for. Uh, I need somebody a little bit more deeper than that. You know, if I'm going to go to therapy. But therapy also can trigger you on things that you might not really need to be triggered on. And how accurate is therapy anyway, sometimes, when you don't have all perspectives involved. Because sometimes a therapist will give you an opinion and something based off of their perception of something without knowing the background of the other person that's being discussed that isn't even there in therapy. So it's really difficult. It, it's it difficult. is not even the word. It really isn't. But um, another thing that um, my daughter did. She bought me a teddy bear. And um, his name is Patrick. And I am not ashamed to say I still sleep with that teddy bear. My grandson would have been eight years old this November, <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> Patrick has a lot of my feelings uh, in his stuffing, <clears throat> a lot of my tears. And um, when my dad passed away, a friend bought her a teddy bear. <clears throat> his name is Bernie. <clears throat> and when my friend that I spoke of earlier, when her son passed away. Um, I gave her a teddy bear. And she said the dog got a hold of it and ate one of its eyes, but she still sleeps with it. And I gave my sister a teddy bear, uh, my stepsister. Um, and then I had a friend who passed away from a heart attack. And I gave his fiance and his daughter each a teddy bear comfort. And I also, um, I also have a group page that I do where I help a lot of the homeless and people, and um, I collect teddy bears actually and hand them out to people um, to help them. It's called bearing it, th- bearing it through the holidays, um, to try to help them cope with getting through the holidays and basically every day and finding comfort somewhere. My um, <clears throat> point being is. My mom's 71. I'm not for sure on how old my friend is. I think she... And I apologize if I'm wrong. I think she might be in her 60s or late 50s. Um, I am 50 years old. That's still mind-boggling to say because I used to spell it out instead of writing the numbers out. (laughs) But um, I am 50 years old. (laughs) I'll be 51 in January. And there's no shame. I sleep with my teddy And when I was with my um, ex... My teddy bear slept on one side and he was on the other. <coughs> and I was in the middle. And, um, it's something. Please find something. Um, get involved in something. Get, get the word out. Do something in honor of your loved one. Anything and everything you can to save yourself So you're not lying next to your loved one, either in chronic pain, um, mental pain, or pain that the abyss um, covers your eyes that you can't even see your way out. And I, again, I apologize. (sighs) And that's not even a strong enough word. I apologize so hard, wholeheartedly for anybody that is going in any direction at all on this subject or any pain and struggle for that matter. Um, addiction is no joke. But it's not always about addiction. And it isn't. Um, sometimes it just Yeah, it's it's not about, it's not just about addiction, people. It's really not. So, um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and do my closing remarks. And I do, uh, like I said, my heart grieves for everybody that goes through this. And I, I do, I do keep you in my prayers whether I know you or not I I, I do pray a lot and um, somebody asked me one time what do you do when your soul is shattered and I looked at them and I said I pray I pray it might seem like the simplest thing but sometimes it is just that simple to be that complicated I appreciate everybody who's joined me in my podcast this evening or today or whatever time it is for you um thank you for taking on a moment of your time in your life that you'll never get back and giving it to me to listen to me and um I pray for you, I really do and I hope that this podcast lands where it needs to land and I hope it does it in time To save lives. Because it's a huge reality check. All that much more important with the holiday season coming up with Halloween. Check your candy. Honestly, I don't know how that works. Because sometimes it is that simple and that deadly and that innocent. And that's not addiction. That's evil. That's a silent, evil, dark death. I appreciate each and every one of you. And you matter. And I pray that God eases your minds, strengthens your hearts And silence Your demons if even just a moment for you to get your breath So your own breath doesn't suffocate you anymore Remember to breathe Remember to try to try Put your feelings somewhere productive it might be exactly what you need to save yourself and many others <sighs> this is D, and you've been listening to my podcast let me clear my throat fentanyl when the next breath is worth more than a speck of sand have a safe And blessed evening. God bless you and good night.